because we didn't renew our AAA account, I want to mention there are two cars with the lights on, a beige VW Beetle, JLR, first three letters, and then a white Acura TL. So just give it a minute so no one notices, and then just act like you're going to the bathroom. So, but we certainly welcome all of you. We're glad you're here this evening, and we want to take a few moments before we finish our Christmas Eve service and sing Silent Night, light our candles. We're going to talk about Christmas for a moment. We need to do that, and we need to get it right. Sometimes stories within stories are meaningless without the bigger message. It would be like telling the story of Cinderella and simply saying, once there was a little girl who went to a dance, but she stayed too long and her chariot turned into a pumpkin and she lost her shoe. You see, that, that, that story is meaningless without a bigger story. And this evening, I want us to take a few moments to talk about the Christmas story. And we're going to do it in the context of sort of a, a very simple thing that all of you children can understand. But we need to get this right because it's important not just to pass it on, but because it's a message that's revolutionary. It changes lives, has, is, and still will. Now, so what we're going to do is we're going to understand that the Christmas story is part of a bigger story. And without the bigger story, the message of the manger is meaningless. So when we go through this, some of you are going to have questions. You're going to go, wait, I, I didn't know that. Or some of you are going to go, wait, that's not what I was told. And well, if that's this, then this must be that. So some of you came with loved ones, friends. Some of you may not believe any of this, but I hope it'll get the wheels going. Parents, you need to continue to teach this story carefully and, and profitably to your children so they understand the real meaning and message of Christmas. So I invite you to begin with me where the Christmas story begins. The Christmas story actually begins way back in the beginning. You see, the message of Christmas was God's idea even before anything existed. The Bible tells us that it was before the foundations of the world that God's plan was for His Son Jesus to come to earth. And so there came a point in time where God spoke the universe into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now that is a story, but it's a true story. And we call this part of what everyone has, and that is a worldview. We all have one. And your worldview this evening may be a worldview that says, well, I was told in college that uh, it just kind of happened from an explosion. There's a lot of things we don't know. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it happened, but, but I just know that it didn't happen this way. I want to urge you to rethink that one because that's a big deal. So the Bible tells us that it was actually Jesus thousands of years ago, who spoke the universe into space. All things came into being through him. And he was there before anything was made. And, and the Bible tells us that he sits in heaven and all things continue because of him. Now, there, there's, there's a, a background to that. If that's the truth, then the Christmas story matters. If that's not the truth, then who cares? Big deal, a baby in a manger. But if this Lord Jesus created all things then what the Bible teaches is that earth was not an accident, it's a drama stage. This little planet in this giant universe is a drama stage in which God created two people out of the the dust of the ground and out of the rib of Adam. And Jesus spoke of Adam and Eve as literal people. And unless you want to tell Jesus he's a liar or he was mixed up, then you might want to rethink. 
because the Bible teaches us the Christmas story is really a story that was brought about because of Adam and Eve. And boys and girls, you've heard the story of Adam and Eve and moms and dads. There was a real Adam and Eve and God put them in a beautiful place and they were very good people. And he gave them one rule. He said, don't eat from this tree. You can eat from any other tree. Don't eat from this tree. The God who created the world had one rule. Don't eat from this tree. But they decided not to listen to God. And so one day, Adam and Eve took of the fruit of that tree. And in disobedience to God, they wanted to do it their way. And they ate that fruit. And it made God really sad, but it made him angry. When, when we disobey God, we just don't get away with it. Guess what happened? The Bible tells us two things happened, and, and this explains why earth is like it is. God told Adam and Eve, if you eat from that tree, you're going to die. And the day that they ate from that tree, the Bible says, through one man, sin entered into the world, and that's where death came from. And so they began to age. They didn't drop dead on the spot. They began to age. They began to decay. And one day they died. And so this, this explains what life is about. Why do people die? It's because in the beginning, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And the penalty for sin is, is to die. But not only did they die, they changed. Adam and Eve became very, very different. Have you ever had somebody say that to you? Wow, you've changed a lot. You're different. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Theirs was really bad. They changed badly. They used to have good hearts, but now their hearts became bad. They became naughty. They became selfish sometimes, mean sometimes. Sometimes they did bad things just because they wanted to. They were embarrassed and they felt guilty. And because we came from them, that's how we are. And this explains why people are the way they are. We might be nice and kind and Merry Christmas, but the Bible says on the inside our hearts are bad. They're evil. They're naughty. And in case you don't believe that, I'll give you a simple example. How many of you remember telling a child, and probably it was you or me, don't touch that. And because I was told, don't do it, that's the very reason that I did it, because I didn't want somebody to tell me what to do. The very nature of being sinful is I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I rebel. And so, now we have a problem. This God who created us has his first two creations, Adam and Eve, in rebellion. And now their children are rebelling, and now the world is a mess. Still beautiful, but it's broken. But this didn't take God by surprise. He didn't go, oh no, what am I going to do? He had a plan all along. But it was a complex plan because he loves people. He doesn't want to just punish them for their sinfulness. But he's just. He can't just go, ah, forget about it. Everybody's naughty. And so he had a plan. And that plan was that one day his son Jesus would come down to this earth for Christmas so Christmas is about Christ Jesus coming into this world to save sinners. But God didn't just send Jesus that day. He had a longer plan in mind. He appeared to a man one day named Abraham. 
And he said to Abraham, I'm going to take you, Abraham, and I'm going to make a, a nation out of you. And there were other nations beside that. You've heard of nations and people groups, Egyptians and Indians and Chinese and all kinds of nations. But there wasn't a nation like this. This was going to be God's nation. And he took Abraham and he said, I'm going to make a nation out of you. We're going to start a whole new nation. And they began to call those people the Jews, the nation of Israel, God's people. And they were really blessed. That was a real privilege. But all along, God said, Abraham, you need to understand, it's not about you. I'm not making you my nation for you, but that through you, all the nations will be blessed. Well, how was that going to happen? How was God going to bless all the nations through the Jews? Well, there's primarily two things that he did. Number one, he gave the Jews a special privilege. They got to write the Bible. The Bible actually says, what's the advantage of being a Jew? Great in every respect. First of all, they have the very words of God. You see, God didn't hold a lottery. He let the Jews write the Bible. Moses, Isaiah, David, they wrote the very words of God. And as they wrote these words of God, some people believed them and some didn't. Some people obeyed them, and some changed them and disbelieved them. And that's the way it is today. In fact, these very Jews who have the Bible, many of them today don't believe the Bible. I was talking to my doctor this week. I said, doctor, tell me why you, you as a Jew don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He said, oh, he's not the Messiah. I said, well, what does the Bible say? I don't believe the Bible. I said, you don't believe Moses? You don't believe these are the words of God? And so the Jews got to be the special people to bring the Bible, but not only that, they also got to be the special people because God was going to send Jesus and he was going to become a Jew. So I like to thank every Jewish person. Thank you for being the nation that gave me Christmas, that sent your son Jesus. But God didn't leave us guessing like, you have to figure out when he's coming and, and what's he going to do. Instead, he began to reveal the story of Christmas through the prophets, like Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah lived 600 years before Jesus. But he began to make predictions. For unto us a child will be born, a son will be given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. You say, oh, he probably wrote that after Jesus was born. How could he? The Dead Sea Scrolls have been discovered. The, the, the text of Isaiah was written 600 years before Jesus. Nobody can, even an atheist can't deny that. And Isaiah began to tell us that Jesus would come and be born of a virgin. But my Jewish friend said to me, he goes, Jesus can't be the Messiah. The Messiah was going to come and he was going to be a king over all the world. I don't see that happening. I said, well, haven't you read Isaiah 53? Look what else Isaiah predicted. Hundreds of years before Jesus, Isaiah predicted that Jesus would be pierced and punished for our sins. That God would send his son and that Jesus would be the lamb of God and that the innocent substitute Jesus would be nailed to the cross 
and God would lay all of our sins on him and punish us. This was predicted. That's why Jesus came, not to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, but to come and grow up and die for our sins. Well, how, how is he, he going to get there? How, was he just going to come down from heaven? He's a spirit. Well, he's going to have to become a man. And so Isaiah said in Isaiah 7, 14, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, God was going to come down on Christmas and be born in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And so the angel said to Joseph, The virgin will be with child, shall have a son, they'll name him Emmanuel. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. He said, Don't be afraid, Mary. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you are going to give birth to a son. And you know what? She was so excited, the Virgin Mary. That's a blessing. She got to be the mother of Jesus. She was so excited that God would send his son to be born inside of her and come out this perfect child. She said this in Luke chapter 1, I rejoice in God my Savior. That's what Mary said. It's right in the Bible. God my Savior. You know why she called God her Savior? Because she knew she needed a Savior. Everybody needs a Savior, even Mary. You see, Mary wasn't exempt from being a sinner. We're all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned. Maybe you're not a murderer. Or maybe you're not the naughtiest boy on the block. But we're sinners. And so little Jesus was born to Mary. This little child. And then the Lord told Joseph, don't be afraid to, to marry Mary. The baby's from the Holy Spirit. And so they took little Jesus and they laid him in a manger because there was no room for them. But God didn't want this to be a secret as she gave birth to her firstborn son and, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. She, she laid him in a manger. That's, that's what we sing about. Away in the manger, no crib for a bed. That's, that's, that's part of the story. The little Lord Jesus lay in that manger. But he wasn't just a little baby. That was God. Now in, 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 in human form. And so God wanted to get the good news out. So that very night, you know this story, that very night, on a hill nearby, on a dark night, a great multitude of angels appeared in heaven, lit up the sky with the glory of God, and these poor shepherds were terrified. And the angel said, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy. It'll be for all the people. For today there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And they're like, what? And they said, this will be a sign for you. You won't find this very often. You'll find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. A manger is a little trough that animals ate from. So they went down to the city and they, they came into the house. And there they saw the baby Jesus. And they were so excited about that that they went out and they began to tell everybody. They, they, they were just so thrilled and, and so overwhelmed. And so we, we still sing about that day. Hark, the herald angels sing. While shepherds kept their watching or silent flocks at night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. Remember that song, the shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. But it didn't stop there. 
You see, here's this little baby, just like other babies, except not a sinner. And for two years, Jesus lived in Bethlehem. And Mary and Joseph had a little house in which he lived. And then one day, they got a knock on the door. And men had come from far away. And they bowed down to baby Jesus. And they gave him presents. Who bows down to babies? If you're here Sunday, you hear me say, I've seen some of you with your firstborn. Stop it. He's, he's just, he's just. Who bows down to a baby? Who says to a baby, we've come to worship him. He's the king. These men were wise men because they knew what the Bible said. In the book of Numbers, Baal said, I see him, but not now. A star, a star will rise from Jacob and a scepter, a king's scepter will emerge. And so they're wise because they read their Bibles and they sought Jesus and they found him. And they knew that one day Jesus would be the king, not just little baby Jesus for somebody to make fun of and tell a boogly at nights or whatever that movie is. He's Lord of all. But it didn't stop there. You see, Jesus then moved back to Nazareth, and he grew up. He was, he was just like another kid. His dad was a carpenter, never did anything wrong. But one day when he was 30, he went and got baptized, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he began to do miracles. And he began to make strange claims that I came down from heaven, and I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God but through me. And if you ask me, I don't know why everybody didn't love him, because he healed people. Thousands of people came and Jesus would touch them and heal them. He'd raise them from the dead. But you see, there were some really bad people back then. They didn't like Jesus. They were religious. They went to church. But they didn't like that Jesus told them, you're evil. You're hypocrites. You need to change your heart. You need to repent of your sins. Judgment is coming. Oh, that made him mad. Who does he think he is? Meanwhile, the really bad people who didn't even go to church, they were like, wait, Jesus, you, you'll forgive me? I can get another chance? I messed up my life? They loved him. But Jesus began to tell them, I'm going to have to die on the cross. They're going to take me. They're going to arrest me. And they're going to nail me on a cross. And I'm going to hang on that cross. And I'm going to shed my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And they were like, oh no, that can't happen. Are you, Jesus, don't talk like that. And he told them over and over again, I'm going to die on the cross. And there came a day when Jesus was praying in a garden and bad guys came and arrested him. And Jesus didn't go, stop, stop, let me go. He gladly went with them. And they took him one day and they nailed him to the cross. That's what Christmas is about. A manger without a cross is meaningless. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is why Tim Tebow has this verse under his eyeballs. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, the son of God, hanging there on the cross for six hours that Friday, being punished by God for my sins, just like Isaiah said. And when he hung there for six hours, he said, it's finished. Finished. He paid for your sins.
And I can't tell you how many people heard that, but they don't get it. And I was one of them. I sat in church when I was a teenager for three hours on Good Friday, and I stared at that cross, and I thought, I feel bad for that guy. Until one day God opened my eyes, and then I got it. Jesus hung on that cross for me. He shed his blood for me. He still loves me. He will forgive me. He paid it all, and he told me that I can have eternal life if I believe in him. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Boys and girls, do you believe that? Moms and dads, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus paid for your sins and died and rose again so that you could go to heaven and have eternal life? Do you believe that with all your heart? And the bad guys thought, we're done with him. Let's put him in a, in a stone grave and, and then we'll put a big stone in front of him. But on that third day, God raised Jesus from the dead and he opened up tomb and Jesus went back up to heaven and he's there right now. Jesus is there right now. He's back in heaven. And Christmas matters to Jesus because he came for sinners. So we can't just tell about baby Jesus. We have to tell about big Jesus, King Jesus, Lord Jesus, risen Jesus, coming Jesus. And so I'll start with you boys and girls. Tomorrow morning, before you open your presents, thank God for the best gift he gave you. It's not a new toy. He gave you Jesus. Last Sunday, a mother walked up to me. She said, you know something? She said, you told my children to thank Jesus before they opened their presents with a tear in her eyes. She said, I forgot. She said, my little son, we were about to open the presents. He said, Mom, wait. We need to thank Jesus. Thank God for his gift that Jesus came and he died for you. But moms and dads, what about you? Do you know the last line of Go Tell It on the Mountain says, Down in a lowly manger our humble Christ was born and God sent us salvation that humble Christmas morn. We just sang, He came to save us all from Satan's power when we have gone astray. You're like, oh, I'm religious. I'm not one of them. I don't shoot crack. You're astray if you don't love Jesus. You're astray if you don't believe Jesus. But Jesus invites you to believe with all your heart. Look what it says. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus might be the Savior, but is he your Savior? Or has that just slipped past you? You're like, I've been in church for years, but I, I must have missed that part. Well, you missed the meaning. If you miss Jesus as your Savior and Lord. But it's not too late as I, as I close and we, we sing. I want you to think about this. The day that Jesus was born, the shepherd said, Today there has been born for you a Savior. But with every fiber of my being, I beg you to understand that today I am proclaiming to you that a Savior has been born for you. Jesus is born to forgive you, to save you, to give you eternal life, to give your life meaning. Some of you are trying to go, I don't get it. I, my life is empty. 
It's Jesus that you need. He's the living water. He's the one that gives you rest for your soul. But he doesn't kick his way into your life. You let him in. You believe with all your heart. You trust him. You surrender to him. You begin to follow him. We love him because he loved us. See him there on that cross for you that day, shedding his blood. You don't have to be afraid of purgatory. You don't have to be afraid of hell unless you turn from Jesus. One of Jesus' favorite words was, come, come to me. And I don't care if you're 10 or 90, I beg you tonight to understand the real meaning of Christmas. The manger was just getting them ready for the cross. And it's paid, and he's alive, and he's coming again. And so I want to offer you a gift. Did you notice we didn't take an offering tonight? You're like, here we go. No, we're not. (laughs) Because God has an offering he wants to give you. He gave you his son, but you have to receive him. And to be neutral is to reject it. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. As many as receive and believe in Christ, he gives eternal life. Will you allow Christ to be your Lord and Savior tonight? Some of you go, I did that when I was a little kid. I raised my hand or something. That's nonsense. Jesus said, one day many will call me Lord, and I'll say, I never knew you. It's because you raise your hand somewhere in the world. You must believe with your heart and surrender to the Lord, and he will come, bam, tonight and be your salvation. Would you want to do that right now? Let's pray together. With our eyes closed and our heads bowed, if the Lord Jesus has spoken to you, boys and girls, Pastor Jeremy told me that he became a Christian on Christmas Eve. He accepted Jesus. Maybe tonight you'll do that. And moms and dads or grandpops and grandmoms, maybe tonight you'll do that. If you want to accept God's gift, right now tell Jesus, Lord, I'm a sinner And I want you to be my savior. I believe that you died on the cross for all of my sins so that I don't have to be punished. I believe you rose from the dead and you are coming again. So I receive you. I believe in you. I will follow you, Lord Jesus. Come into my life and be my Lord and savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to let someone know, maybe have a conversation with someone you came. But if you believe this story, how could you not go tell it to others? How could you not be back in church reading your Bible, loving Jesus and living for him? God bless you. I trust that you'll have a a truly Christ-centered Merry Christmas. As you came in tonight, you received a candle, and we're going to light our candles tonight together and sing Silent Night, Holy Night. I'm going to light an usher's candle, and they're going to pass the light uh, down the rows. Keep your candles up so the wax doesn't drip. Okay.
silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly Silent night, shepherd's quaint hath a sight, glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing Alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Let's stand and sing. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Merry Christmas, and you, you can blow out your candles, and you can leave them out in the baskets out there. Thank you so much for coming. Have a wonderful Merry Christmas.